Would you please turn in your Bibles to 3rd John? 3rd John, please. And if you would, join me in prayer one more time. Our Heavenly Father, our gracious God, yes, indeed, this is our prayer that you would show mercy to us, you would be gracious to us and bless us so that the ends of the earth may fear you. I pray, Lord God, that as we look into your word this morning, you would grow us in a passion to see the name of Christ named in the farthest reaches of the earth and that we would be found faithful as fellow workers for the sake of his name. We ask in the name of Jesus, by your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. The year was 1793 and a young man who was a shoemaker in England and had grown to be a preacher of God's word was getting ready to leave England. In fact, they were having a commissioning service for him, much like we're having this morning. William Carey was getting ready to go to India, which was a land of darkness, to preach the gospel of Christ. And as they were commissioning him, there were a number of friends and brothers there, pastors who were excited to see Carrie go forth in this work. Uh, they knew it would be a monumental task, it would be a difficult task. Carrie eventually became known as the father of modern missions, really started a movement of missionaries who went forth to the nations in a similar way. And he was a pioneer. And he was going to an unknown land of darkness to learn a foreign language to preach the gospel of Christ. And as he prepared to go into the darkness of India, uh, he said to his brother pastors, other elders and friends there, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. And Carrie's friend, a famous Baptist pastor at the time in the 18th century named Andrew Fuller says this, he said, we promised that we would never let go of the ropes as long as he lived. Brothers and sisters, God has given us the great privilege of participating in bringing the truth of Jesus to the nations by planting churches that will proclaim the name of Christ. And he has given us a great gift in Pastor Negusi who has served us so well here in this congregation for several years. We have the honor of commissioning him this morning and sending him out. He's going to go down into the pit to proclaim Christ and him crucified. And Lord willing to plant a church that displays Christ so that the truth of God will resound in Addis Ababa and Ethiopia among those who have never heard. Brother Negusi, Pastor Negusi, Sister Gannett, you have been gifts to this church from the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been gifts to me personally. We are so deeply thankful. I am thankful for your many years of friendship, your partnership in the gospel, your godly example, not just in my own life, but the example you've been to this congregation. I know there are people here who would testify they came to saving faith in Christ through your ministry. And today we have, a, as a church, we have the privilege, brothers and sisters, of commissioning and sending 
this dear brother and sister out for the sake of Christ's name, we have the privilege of learning to hold the rope. Remember, I want, to, I want to speak to you, ECC. It's not just Nigusi going off to Addis Ababa by himself as a solo Christian and planting a church. No, in the Bible, it's not individuals who plant a church. It is churches that give birth to other churches. Churches plant churches. So we, ECC, are planting this church with Nigusi as our commissioned representative. Our embassy of the Lord Jesus Christ here is sending an ambassador to go and establish another embassy. And this morning as we look at God's word here in 3 John, one of the shortest letters in the New Testament, we are going to see from God's word what it means to hold the ropes as William Carey's companions did for him. And my prayer is that we would resolve with a commitment to faithfully support Nigusi and his family as we send them out so that we would be fellow workers with them for the truth. Let's look at 3 John verses 3 to 8. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth." So this, like I said, is one of the shortest letters in the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle John. And the context of this writing is, uh, it is written to a certain man named Gaius, who was an elder in a local church somewhere. And the Apostle John had received news from some traveling missionaries of how they visited Gaius's church and had been deeply blessed by his care for them as he sent them out on their way. And they've come back to John's church and have testified before the church of the love and the blessing that they received. And John's heart is overflowing with joy. And that's one of the reasons that he writes this letter. Uh, these men were, could, could have been you know, traveling evangelists who were going from town to town proclaiming the gospel. They may have been church planters who are now on a support-raising tour. They may have been even international missionaries who were moving from one region to another to proclaim the gospel. We don't know for certain, but it applies uh, to anyone who falls into that category of gospel worker. The treatment that they received from Gaius uh, was so wonderful that they went and testified of it to the church and the Apostle John is overflowing with joy as he has heard that Gaius is walking in the truth. Do you see that? He says in verse 3, I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, On the one hand, that means that Gaius was committed to the truth of God's word, to the truth of the gospel. Uh, if you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you'll see throughout, John has a major concern that believers will avoid and reject false teachings, of which there were many at this time. So Gaius is 
holding on to the truth. He has a commitment to the message of the gospel. He is rejecting false teachings. But notice the language. He speaks of him walking in the truth. That's what brings great joy. It's not just that Gaius believed the truth. No, he also ordered his life. He ordered his priorities. He lived in such a way that his actions were in accordance with the truth. And what John does here is he takes this man Gaius and how he lived, walking in the truth, and holds him up as a model, as an example that should be imitated by every believer, by local churches everywhere. You see, this man, he worked. His faith, his belief in the truth was worked out in actions. Do you see in verse 5? It's a faithful thing that you do. It's a faithful thing. To be found faithful, you must live like this, is what that implies. It's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers. This brother worked for the sake of these other brothers. And then notice in verse 8 what John says. He says, therefore, we ought, we ought to support people like these. In other words, we, that is all Christians, local churches, must do likewise. This is not something optional. This is not something that is extra credit in the Christian life. <laughs> no, this is a command. We are commanded to live like Gaius lived. Right? So really our text here has one major command this morning. We must walk in the truth. How do we walk in the truth? By graciously sending and faithfully supporting gospel workers in a manner worthy of God. You repeat that? We must graciously send and faithfully support gospel workers in a manner worthy of God. And we're going to see in our text this morning two reasons why we do so and four ways how we will do that. Right? So two reasons why. Why must we graciously send and faithfully support gospel workers in a manner worthy of God? First is because they go out for the sake of the name. They go out for the sake of the name. Look again at verses 5 to 7. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for, because, they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. The word there in verse 6 where he says you do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, that word is used nine times in the New Testament. Every single time it is used, it is referring uh, to missionary work. It's used in missionary contexts. All right, so sending out someone for the work of the gospel to proclaim Christ and Him crucified. And, and notice the logic that John is using here. Why, why should you send them out in a manner worthy of God? Why should you do this work and do it well? Because, verse 7, because they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. These brothers had gone out and were being sent out as vocational missionaries, full-time. They had given it all up to follow Christ and to go out and proclaim His name. They were accepting nothing from the Gentiles. They were not preaching the gospel for a fee. 
Why did they do this? For the sake of the name. For the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not for their own gain. They didn't accept anything from the Gentiles. They were not doing this for some kind of profit. They were not doing this for recognition or for their own glory. They were going out for the sake of the name. Why should we go out for the sake of the name? Because there is salvation in no other name. And there is no other name given under heaven by which men might be saved. They believed, as we believe, in the central message of the Bible that we see from cover to cover, the message of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that God is holy, our creator. He is holy, righteous, and just. There's only one true God, and He has created us to know Him and to worship Him and to live for His glory. But all of us, all human beings everywhere, have sinned and fallen short of His glory. We have rebelled against God. We have dishonored Him and broken His commands. And therefore, all of us stand rightly condemned under His judgment. We deserve His wrath. We deserve eternal punishment for we have dishonored our own Creator. But God is rich in mercy and grace. And because of His great love, He sent His only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son took on flesh, fully God and fully man. He lived the perfect life that we could never live. And He died on the cross as a substitute, paying the penalty for our sin taking upon himself the judgment that sinners deserve so that whoever turns from sin and trusts in him, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved from sin, will receive forgiveness of sins, freedom of the, from the power of sin and the promise of eternal life, resurrection from the dead to life eternal. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have never called upon His name for salvation. If, if that's you, we want to call you this morning. Dear friend, turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus. Hear the voice of the Son of God calling you and call upon His name as your Lord, as your Savior and receive salvation, forgiveness of sins. Any of us would love to talk with you more about that after this service. They went out, these workers in 3 John, went out to proclaim this name because there is salvation in no other name. Nigusi, Genet, I know that you know this. You are going out for the sake of the name. You are going out with one purpose, for one cause for which we are sending you, it's to proclaim the name of Jesus and His salvation, to teach His word and His truth. And that as you proclaim Christ, that you would gather people around this word and grow them up to be disciples of Jesus. That's why we're sending you. And pray that you would be found faithful. Brothers and sisters, Remember, this is why Nigusi and Genet are going. This is why we're sending out our best. We're sending out Pastor Nigusi for the sake of the name that Christ might be proclaimed, that Christ might be glorified in the nations. This is why others have gone out 
like Pastor Anwar sent him to Beirut, like Pastor Wiley. This is why we send them. We send them for the greatest cause in the world for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that his name might be known, that his name might be proclaimed, that his name might be embraced, and so that our Lord Jesus would receive the glory of which he is worthy as people from every tribe and tongue and nation gather around his throne to worship him. That's why we send them. And as they go out for the sake of the name, for the sake of the truth, when we send them and faithfully support them, we become fellow workers with them for the truth. That's the second reason we must graciously send and faithfully support gospel workers in a manner worthy of God. The first reason is because they go out for the sake of the name, And secondly, we send and support them because by doing so, we become fellow workers for the truth. Look again at verse 8. They have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Did you notice the word ought? Maybe underline that or circle it. There is an obligation to do this. There is an oughtness, a mustness. This is a command. This is not optional. We must send such people in a manner worthy of God. We must support such people in their work. Think again about the language used throughout this passage. Go back to verse 3. For I rejoice greatly, John says, when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. What does it mean to live a life that accords with the truth? What does it mean not just to believe the truth, but to walk in the truth in the context, to walk in the truth, to live out our faith? To live with actions in such a way that the truth is displayed in our lives means that we send and support gospel workers in a manner worthy of God. That's what the text is saying. Keep reading. Verse 5, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. How how are we to be found faithful before God? Don't, don't, Don't you want to be found faithful? Don't you want to hear Jesus say to you on the last day, Well done, my good and faithful servant, how do we live in faithfulness before the Lord? It's by faithfully sending and supporting such gospel workers. Look at verse 6, he says, they testified to your love before the church. Gaius was fulfilling the great commandments of our Lord Jesus Christ, to love the Lord God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love his neighbor as himself. How do we love in such a way that it pleases God? by showing our love in faithfully sending. Not only is it a faithful thing, it is also a beautiful thing. In the second half of verse 6 there, he says, you will do well, and the word used there connotes beauty. You will do a beautiful thing to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Uh, Go back to verse 2. Notice the greeting in verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. How do you know that it is well with your soul? How do we know that Gaius' soul was well and it was prospering? What was the evidence of that? It was that Gaius was sending out these gospel workers in a manner worthy of God and showing love and care for them. 
Brothers and sisters, when we faithfully send and support gospel workers in a manner worthy of God, we become sharers in the cause of advancing the gospel. We become fellow participants in their work. You might not move to Addis Ababa and preach the gospel. Nigusi is moving to Addis Ababa and preaching the gospel. And you are a partner with him in that work. We become partners with them in that work as we send them and support them. We become fellow workers for the truth. That means we have a direct participation in God's eternal purpose. We are participating, sharing in the cause which is on the heart of God himself. We are participating in the work of God himself. And, and don't get me wrong, this sharing, this participating, it's not just, okay, we're going to show some team spirit and cheer them on as they go. Right, from the nations to the nations, yay, no. It's, it's not just some kind of organizational unity where you, know, you kind of become a, a shareholder in a company. No, it's a shared heart. There is a deep spiritual bond that we are one heart, one soul with them, and we are sending them as sending our very own hearts and souls, and by doing so, becoming fellow workers with them for the truth. This is all throughout the New Testament. You may have missed it. Just go read the letter to the Philippians. Paul is writing to this church again and again throughout that letter. He talks of the fellowship of that church with him in the work of the gospel. How they have participated with him in the work of the gospel. Because that church supported him financially, prayed for him, was caring for him and was concerned about him. Paul says that they have shared with him in the work of the gospel. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 in his gospel proclamation that he is a fellow worker with God. And if a gospel worker is a fellow worker with God, when you share and participate with them, you become a fellow worker with God. And oh, what joy and blessing it brings to our own souls. I can't tell you how my heart, I could tell you so many ways, my, my own soul has been blessed and has grown over the years as I have seen the work of the gospel go out to the nations and I have been blessed to pray for, to know, and to be aware of workers who are taking the gospel to unreached places and peoples. I could tell you about uh, dear brother and sister Dave and Stacy Hare, uh, whom I met many years ago in our first year in seminary, who were part of our local church, who went out to one of the most unreached tribes in the world in a remote uh, place in Cameroon, uh, where there in the jungle they are teaching the gospel, and they learned the language of the people, the indigenous language of the Kwakum people. They reduced the language to writing, which was, had never been written down before, and then began translating the Bible for these people. And the Lord has established a church there around His Word. I could tell you about uh, our dear friends, brother and sister Nate and Jenny Shane. Jenny from Australia and, and Nate from America. And in God's providence, they were married and they were our small group leaders when I was in seminary in our church. And uh, I remember Nate and Jenny telling us that they were getting ready to go to Mozambique. And they went out to Mozambique to a rural part where there is no electricity and no running water, making sacrifice for the name of Jesus and they have been there for almost a decade now. They have established a church there among the Yao people, learning the language, preaching the gospel. They've suffered greatly. 
By the way, when the phrase, for the sake of the name, is used in the New Testament, it frequent, almost every instance, implies suffering that comes when you go out for the sake of the gospel. They suffered greatly. Their daughter was infected with parasites in her liver, and they've continued laboring on for the sake of the name. I could tell you about another brother and sister who I've shared about in this congregation before. The wife had brain cancer. Her husband has multiple sclerosis. They used their medical conditions to obtain visas to enter, medical visas, to enter into the most, one of the most unreached uh, nations on earth and labored there for eight years, the last eight years, learned the language, planted a church. Our sister went home to be with the Lord two weeks ago, is buried in that nation, and they continue on preaching the gospel. What a blessing to our own soul, to my soul, it has been to, in some small way, be a fellow worker, to be aware of their work, to pray for their work, to hold them in our hearts, we could multiply examples. Brothers and sisters, do you want to work for the truth? Do you want to walk in the truth? Does your heart burn to see the cause of God advance and the gospel to go forth and the nations to know Christ so that we look forward to that day when Jesus will receive worship from every tribe and tongue and nation? Is that what you want? Then be faithful in sending and supporting workers for the gospel. You know, John Piper says there are only three kinds of Christians in the world. There are three kinds of Christians in the world. The first kind are those who go, right? Those who go. So that would be someone like Pastor Negusi. He is going from his comfort, he's left his job, he is going from the comfort of this congregation that he calls home, that they've called home for the last 10 years, going to the nations for the sake of Christ. And I pray this morning that some of you would aspire to go that God would work in your heart. I'm speaking even to the children here. Maybe God would raise you up, dear children, to be missionaries for the sake of his name, that God would work in our hearts, that as you are in this congregation, and as God, God's word comes to you week after week, as you grow as a disciple here at ECC, that you would begin to aspire uh, for the work of missions, that we would see uh, w young girls grow up or women begin to burn and go to the nations to share the gospel, that we would see men aspire to the office of elder, that you would grow in your godliness, your character, your grip on God's word to be an elder and a shepherd of the flock, and then say, you know what, I'm going to be an elder and a shepherd of the flock in a place where there are no elders and shepherds of the flock, and I'm going to go and proclaim Christ there. And we pray that some of you would go, not just to your home countries, but we pray that the Lord would even raise up those who would go cross-culturally, across cultural and linguistic barriers, that you would go to a context where there are un people in an unreached language group and learn the language, preach the gospel, and establish churches. Kind of like what our brother JP has done. Went into a place, learned the language, preached the gospel where there were no Christians, now there's a church. We pray that God would raise up Christians who go. The second kind of Christian, John Piper says, are those who send. Those who send. That's the rest of us. These are those who must hold the ropes, who must be faithful in knowing of the work of missions, in, in praying for the work of missions, in sending brothers and sisters to the nations and continuing to support them so that the gospel will go forth. 
that we partner with them as fellow workers for the truth. So there are those who go, there are those who send, and the third type of Christian are those who are disobedient. So which one are you? Which one are we, ECC? Remember, when we hold the ropes for gospel workers, when we send them out, we are participating with them in their work. We are participating with God in His work. We become fellow workers for the truth. We must care not only about believing the truth, but walking in the truth and living as fellow workers for the truth. So our command this morning is that we must graciously send and faithfully support gospel workers in a manner worthy of God. We looked at two reasons why we do that, and now we're going to look at four ways how we should do that. Look again at what it says there in verse 6. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So we're going to look at four ways that we do things in a manner worthy of God. What does that look like? How do we send someone in a manner worthy of God? Four ways. First is by knowing. By knowing. Right? That means you know the person whom you're sending and supporting. All right? We familiarize ourselves with them and with their work. All right, Pastor Negusi is well known to many of you in this congregation. I know we're at a big church. Some of you may have never met him. All right, if you haven't met him, if you haven't known him and Gannett, please make a beeline for them straight after this service and seek to know them. All right, come to the prayer meeting this evening and seek to know them. Introduce yourself and say, I'm so thankful for your ministry here. I'm so thankful for the ministry you're going out to do. I'm going to pray for you. Right? Get his WhatsApp number so that you can stay in touch or his email address. We seek to know them. And we seek to know them beyond the time that we leave. We don't just know them on one Sunday morning here and then bye-bye, right? Commissioning Sunday. No, we know them when they go out and when they do the work. We stay in touch with what is going on. We familiarize ourselves with the place that they're going. And, and we learn of how the work is progressing there. You should be doing this for all of those whom we have sent out. Pastor Wiley, Pastor Anwar, Pastor Sham, others whom we've sent out. We keep knowing them, right? Uh, you know, I was commissioned and sent out myself as a gospel worker from a church in the USA in Kentucky seven, over seven years ago. And uh, my wife and I visited that church last year after more than a four-year gap. First time we're coming back to the church. And you know, I was so blessed and encouraged uh, there were people whom I've never met, young people, who came up to us and said, oh, you're Aubrey and Nishika. We've been praying for you all these years. We're so excited to meet you. And they know about where I am, and they know about the work of the gospel here. They're aware of the situation. Brothers and sisters, are you aware of the work of the people whom we sent out? It's not just the pastor's jobs or the elder's jobs to be aware. It's your job as the members. Keep knowing them. Write to them. Encourage them. Right? Send them emails. Ask them what's happening. When they come back to visit, Anwar and Julian have come back to visit. I was so blessed to hear that last night their former small group had a barbecue for them and spent time uh, fellowshipping with them. Invite them to your home. Get to know about what's happening in their work. Keep yourself updated 
Read the prayer letters. Don't just put it in the junk mail. Keep yourself updated. Come to the prayer meetings regularly. Make that your commitment so that you will be aware of the work that is going on in our gospel workers' lives. You know, that's what Paul and Barnabas did. Acts chapter 14, verse 27. They arrive at the end of their first missionary journey back in Antioch. They gathered the church together and declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. We should regularly have those testimonies in our church gathering as we gather for prayer and encourage our brothers and sisters by knowing about their work. Which leads to our second way that we send out workers in a manner worthy of God. First was knowing. Second, very simple, pray. It's by praying. So I'll put it right up front. I want to call you, encourage you, plead with you, come to the prayer meeting tonight. All right? Commit yourself to come to the prayer meeting tonight. We have Pastor Wiley coming all the way from Aldana. We've been praying for him for months, for years, decades. We've been praying for a church to be established in Ruiz. Now they've been provided with a place to meet in answer to our prayers. He has been provided with a fellow worker who's going to serve with him. Let him be encouraged when he sees the room packed out with people who are excited to hear about his work. Come to the prayer meeting and encourage Anwar and Julene who have come all the way from Beirut to fellowship with you and to share with you an update of how it's been going. And there's exciting updates that you should hear. Come to the prayer meeting tonight and, and seek to encourage our brother and sister one last time, their last uh, gathering with ECC as they go out. You know, it's so important. The, the prayers of God's people together are so vital in the work of gospel advance. You'll see this throughout the New Testament. In Paul's writings, he writes to each of these churches. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. He says, you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 25, brothers, pray for us. Do you see? One of the primary ways we partner for the work of the gospel is by praying. Uh, maybe you don't know this or you're not aware, but you should know this. I'm telling you now. Uh, in your member's prayer directory, I hope you have a membership directory and that you pray through it regularly. Uh, one of the first pages, we've put all of our partners and supported missionary workers there. GOT partners, global outreach team partners. All right. Uh, look at that page and then say, okay, each day of the week, I'm going to pray for one of these partners. All right, so you'll get through all of them one week, and then the next week, repeat, and repeat. And then say, okay, I'm going to find out their contact information and send them an email, send them a WhatsApp to let them know that I'm praying for them. All right? And, and then learn from them how you can pray, how you can pray for their work. Pray for the things that they share with you. Pray for upcoming events. Pray for current needs. Pray for personal struggles. You know, it can be very easy to be discouraged on the field when you're lonely and in a hard context. Pray for their encouragement. Pray for their personal holiness and walk with the Lord. 
Satan loves to attack those who are on the front lines because he doesn't want to see the gospel go forth. We wage war against him by praying for their holiness and faithfulness. Pray for fruit from their labors that the gospel would advance, that the word of God would speed ahead and be multiplied. You know, one of the great, great, I shouldn't say it's a secret, one of the great things behind William Carey's faithful work and the way that God used him in India was the prayer meetings that were happening in England. There was a great revival of prayer meetings and churches gathered week after week all together to pray for Carey and his labors for the gospel mission in East India. There's a man named John Sutcliffe, one of the pastors of the churches in England there, who organized these prayer meetings. Men met every day at the lunch hour to pray. The church gathered every Sunday evening to pray. As one pastor at the time put it, when God ordains to bring revival, he awakens his people to cry out to him. You know, their theme verse of, of this British missionary society that sent Carrie, their theme verse was Ezekiel 36, 37, where the Lord says this, and this is a promise that is fulfilled for us in the new covenant. The Lord says, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. So the Lord is letting us ask him to do something. What's that? To increase their people like a flock. Do you want to see flocks of people come to know Christ in Ethiopia? And faithful churches planted to the glory of God? Then brothers and sisters, let us pray. The first way we send and support is by knowing. The second way is by praying. The third way is very practical. It's by giving. It's by giving. Did, did you see verse 7? They went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. They're not going for the money. There's no riches to be made in this work. If Pastor Negusi wanted to keep making a lot of money, he would have stayed in his job here in Abu Dhabi. They're not accepting a fee or money from the non-Christian world for the proclamation of the gospel. No, whose responsibility is it to make sure that their needs are met, that they're able to give themselves to the work freely? It's the church's responsibility. It's our responsibility to give faithfully so that gospel workers would be able to preach the gospel. We ought to. It's commanded. Look at verse 8 again. We ought to support people like these. That's how the gospel went forth in New Testament times. That's why we have our Bibles today. That's why the letter to the Romans was written. Have you ever read Romans? We, all of us know the letter to the Romans in the New Testament is one of the fullest, clearest theological statements of the gospel. One of the primary purposes that Paul wrote Romans was to garner support for the work of gospel mission. He wanted them to know his theology and what he believed so that they would support him in his mission, right? He says that, Romans 15 verse 24, he says to the church in Rome, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Now, Spain was unreached. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped, supported on my journey there by you. I told you already, all of Philippians was written to this church in Philippi because they financially partnered with Paul and prayed for him and cared for him. And it cost a lot of money for the gospel to go forth. It wasn't, you know, easy. Uh, I told you some time ago, 
uh, one of my friends who is the president of a, a mission, missions organization and who actually he has a PhD in missiology and has done a lot of research. He estimates, right, at the time of the New Testament, he's kind of done an equivalent in today's currency. To make one copy of Romans, it cost, in today's value, around $3,075. That's 11,285 AED. You know, Paul and his missionary team went on their third missionary journey in the book of Acts. That journey, by today's estimate, by this scholar, possibly cost around $498,102. That's nearly two million AED on travel expenses alone. But praise God, because of that, we have the Bible. We have the gospel. It's worth it. And you know, sometimes I, I just want to guard us. Yeah, we hear that and we say, okay, let's give. Let's make sure that we give. Let's make sure that we're financially contributing to the work. But it should not stop there, okay? I want to guard us in, uh, from a kind of mentality that says, okay, I gave and that's it. Right? That's dangerous. There should be much, much more than giving. You know, one pastor says, there is too much mission work happening in the world where the relationship between the church and the missionary is only the transaction of money to keep the missionary far away. Friends, may it not be so with us. That leads us to our fourth way that we send out workers in a manner worthy of God. We do so by knowing, second, by praying, third, by giving, and then finally, by caring. We must care for them. There's got to be a deep love and concern for them, right? Notice in, in 3 John, these workers, these brothers, they were strangers to guys. He didn't even know who they were. They came new. They, he got to know them. And then they went to John's church and they testified to his love before the church. There was a love for them. He invested effort there was care and concern. And we ought to show the same, brothers and sisters. We ought to show the same. I want to ask you, do you love those whom we have sent out? Do you love Anwar and Juline? Do you love Wiley and Georgie? Do you love our brother Sham? Do you love Nigusi and Ganet? Then make sure that you show that love. Show concern for their work. Show care for their work. Be aware of what's going on in their lives. Send them letters. Send them emails. Send them WhatsApps. I hope by the end of today that Nigusi will get added to so many WhatsApp groups with different members that when he goes to Addis Ababa, that for months and months he'll keep receiving WhatsApps all day long that he says, I need to put my phone away because all these people from ECC keep sending me WhatsApp messages all the day long. Keep them updated that you're praying for them. You know, when Carrie went to India, uh, there was a faithful pastor, a man of God named Samuel Pierce. He's one of my heroes in the faith. And Samuel Pierce uh, gave Carrie a Greek New Testament. Carrie was going to translate the Bible into Indian languages. He ended up translating the Bible into 18 Indian languages, 
Testament, right? And, and uh, Samuel Pierce gave him a New Test, a Greek New Testament, and on the front page of the, uh, of the New Testament of that Bible, he wrote in Greek, one heart, one soul. We're not just sending people out, we're sending our very heart and soul out with them. May we love them and care for them in such a way. Knowing, praying, giving, caring, and guess what? All of this takes effort. All right, it's work. But I pray to God that we would begin to order our lives and priorities as Gaius did to see that this work is important work. That maybe we wouldn't be so busy and self-consumed and concerned about our own lives and our own jobs and our own families and our own whatever what we want to do and our own ambitions, but we would begin to grow in a heartfelt passion and ambition to see the work of Christ go forth across the nations that Jesus would be preached and that we would make efforts to send out people such as these and be faithful in our sending and supporting. Remember, they are going for the sake of the name. The name of Christ is on the line. As one pastor says, the name of God is at stake in how we treat our missionaries. God is glorified when we support our missionaries substantially with our prayers, with our money, with our time, and a thousand other practical ways. God is not glorified when our missionaries are simply a name on the back of the church bulletin or a line item on the budget or just a name in the website or a name that you see once in a while when ECC sends you a WhatsApp message or makes a Facebook post. No, they're not to be that. They're to be one heart and one soul with us. That God may be glorified. You know, Mark Dever says, if you roll out a map of the world, you could begin to go across that map with a red pen and mark several red dots. These red dots are places and contexts and peoples where there is an absence of gospel preaching where there is no faithful gospel preaching, where there are no healthy churches that are multiplying. Those are the red dots. And then you could go across that map with a green pen and put in different places certain green dots. And those green dots are churches. Uh, These are churches that are faithful, healthy, centered on the Word of God, where there is a culture of discipling going on, and where through that work of discipleship and through the preaching of God's word, God has raised up not just one faithful preacher, but multiple faithful preachers, that there's a surplus of gospel preachers in those green dot churches. And one of the great benefits that green dot churches have is to send out their surplus of faithful gospel workers to the red dot places so that those red dots would become green. That's what we get to do this morning, brothers and sisters. God has blessed us to be a green dot church where he's raised up a plurality of faithful shepherds who teach and preach the word of God and that keeps growing and we get the benefit of sending out one of our best brothers to a red dot place 
that the word of God might be preached and that, Lord willing, we would see green dot churches planted and established among the many peoples of Ethiopia for the glory of God. Our brother is going down into the pit. And the question for you, ECC, is will you hold the rope? Negusi, Geneth, as the pastor of ECC, on behalf of this congregation, I pledge and commit to you, we will. We will hold those ropes for the glory of God and Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our gracious God, we pray, Lord God, that we would be found faithful, that we would be found faithful in knowing, in praying, in loving and giving and serving so that you might be glorified in the nations and that the Great Commission might be fulfilled for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.